Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Welcome everybody to the Uncommon Life Project. This is your host, Philip Ramsey. And this is Brian Dewhurst. Thank you so much for listening to us, everyone. This is going to be an amazing episode this week. Um, we have one of our favorite people to talk to, and I think he's going to be one of your favorites too. His name's Drew McClellan. Man, he is a rock star. Welcome, Drew. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's just talk really quick about Drew, his background. He's been in at least 25 years, a marketing veteran, serves his clients very well. Um, he also runs a different company called the Agency Management Institute, where he teaches other marketers. He coaches them on how to be better marketers. And he has a third company, um, the McClellan Properties. And so he's got a lot of things going on. And my hope for this whole thing is just to give his, uh, his listeners a little bit of more insight of how he runs his business, how he has sure. such a successful business, as well as give our listeners just a different way to go through this this whole uh, residual income and working off different businesses and how they all fit together. This is a great person to talk to. Um, so he loves to create aha moments for his clients. Um, we've definitely been a part of that. Um, mm -hmm. And so he's written books. Brian, you can tell him about that. Yeah. So Drew is one of the world's top marketing and branding bloggers, according to Ad Age's top 150 index. He's written uh, the book 99.3 Random Acts of Marketing, co-editing the Age of Conversation series of books. And he has launched, uh, he launched McClellan Marketing Group back in 1995. He recently appeared in the New York Times, Entrepreneur Magazine, Business Week, and Fortune Small Business. And the Wall Street Journal calls him one of the top 10 bloggers that every entrepreneur should read. He also owns his own podcast called Build a Better Agency, which he helps his listeners scale and grow their own agencies. Again, we hope this podcast gives you guys a little insight on, on his listeners or, or for his listeners. Just maybe give them a little bit different uh, perspective because uh, he's usually the host. And so yeah. now he gets to be the interviewee. So welcome, Drew. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. All right, Drew. So let's just start because it obviously hasn't been roses and sunshines for you. And it sounds like it is now. And I believe it 100% to be true. But let's talk about before this was all happening, when you're more of the common working for somebody else kind of employee mindset. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I like, I think like a lot of people who find themselves in as an entrepreneur or business owner, what that wasn't really my plan. Um, I think people who are in college today or in their 20s today they were exposed to the idea of being an entrepreneur in a much bigger, broader way than I was. So I'm, I'm almost 55. And so when I went to college, my assumption was I was going to work for somebody else for my whole career and that I might rise to the rank of president at someone else's agency. But it never, honestly, it never occurred to me that I would want to be a business owner. And so you know, I started my career, I worked for great agencies and, and things were fine, but they were, you know, they had the, I had the normal constraints that an employee has. I could only make as much money as my employer allowed me to make. I had a set number of vacation days. 
I didn't have a very flexible schedule. So there was nothing wrong with my life, but it wasn't everything that it could be. Sure. What was the, let's talk about the good things back then, because obviously there's good things and bad things. What were the good things that you were dealing with when you were employee working your way up the corporate ladder? Yeah. Well, remember I was never on the corporate side. I've only worked in agencies my whole life. So, so there's a vast difference, thank God, between agencies (laughs) and corporations. Sure. But you know, the good side of that was, you know, I, I didn't have to worry about making payroll. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have to worry about whether or not we got a new client because I got a paycheck every every other week. Um, I never worried about all of the administrative expenses or hassles of, you know, negotiating with lawyers or leases or any of the stuff that comes with being an entrepreneur, especially an entrepreneur with employees, which I have. Um, so, so the, the worry factor was very different, but the worry factor and the opportunity factor are sort of in alignment. Right. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry as much, but my opportunities were capped as well. And, you know, I didn't realize that it never occurred to me until I stepped out on my own that, yes, there were more worries and there still are even today. I mean, I don't want to blow smoke up anybody's skirt. There's still days where you go, okay, seriously, what am I doing? But all of a sudden I began to see that there were opportunities at a scale that I had never imagined before. Yes, so let's dive in on that, Drew. Walk us through those opportunities and the, the mindset shift that took place to owning your own agency. Well, you know, the, for me, the biggest opportunity was, you know, I have a daughter who's today 24 years old, but back then she was a baby. And then as my business grew, obviously, so did she. And while, while making more money was certainly a part of it for me, and, and that happened within the first year or two, of starting my own agency. For me, the biggest currency, the biggest value of being self-employed was the freedom that it gave me. So I took my daughter to school every day and I picked my daughter up from school, you know, at 3, 3.30, depending on what grade she was in, every single day. And then I hung out with her after school. So when she was ripe with news or whatever was going on, you know, I got it. I, it was fresh. And then I would work what I called the second shift uh, after she went to bed, right? Or when, when she got older, when she was doing homework, I was doing homework. But the freedom to be able to do that, the freedom to take as much vacation as I wanted to, the freedom to be able to work from wherever I happened to be on the globe without having to check in or, or count it against a certain number of vacation days, that for me was really u- the ultimate freedom. Uh, it allowed me to be the kind of parent that I wanted to be. Mm. And I wouldn't have been able to do that as somebody's employee, mm. not at the level that I did. Sure. So when you talk about like that missing component, you talked about just the time with your daughter. So when when you first started, I think we were really feeling this like, I guess, undertone of just the sacrifice that you had to to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And for me, I heard that you had to sacrifice, obviously, your time. Because at first, you were just your you were just a father. And then when she went to bed, then you were a business owner. Right. Uh, so tell me, when you were sacrificing that, how big of a pull was the, the steady paycheck? Because I feel like when, as entrepreneurs, we talk about the good of the old life, right? The common life. And sometimes that can outweigh what we're doing in the present. Um, did you ever have any moments where you thought, man, that steady, that steady paycheck is really appealing up at two o'clock in the morning? Or did you ever just did, maybe you never had that. Yeah, you know, for me, um, I I never experienced that. I I loved 
being able to decide what the business that I represented was all about. I love being able to serve clients the way I thought they should be served. I loved the freedom of not taking a paycheck if the business needed me not to, but or taking an extra paycheck if the business had additional funds. Sure. But I, I love being in control of my own destiny and really shaping what my professional life would be like and understanding for the first time that I could build a business or as it is today, businesses that I first figured out what I wanted my life to be and then I let the businesses support that. Mm-hmm. And no job is going to ever do that for me, right? So for me, the sacrifices were and are worth the the upside of it, which is huge, both financially and in every other way that an entrepreneur talks about the perks of being self-employed. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What was your plan? How did you walk through that? And when you first started, obviously you had to sit down and kind of craft this whole <laughs> This whole, this whole entrepreneurial, uncommon life. How did you start with that plan? Where did that go for, for you? Well, in fairness, if there's a theme to the way I've built my businesses, um, the theme would be being smart enough to recognize dumb luck when it kicked me in the rear end, right? <laughs> so, so when I started the agency, it never occurred to me that I would have multiple businesses or I would be able to leverage uh, the tax advantages that come with being an entrepreneur. I just wanted to do it. I just wanted to do the agency life the way I thought it should be done. That was sort of the extent of my lofty goals, right? And all of a sudden, as opportunities presented themselves, as I got smarter about tax strategy and things like that, all of a sudden I was taking advantage of those. And then the real estate company honestly was my daughter was getting ready to go to college and I had this big old house that I had raised her in that the cat and I did not need to live in a, you know, five bedroom, five bathroom house. Right. Sure. sure. So I was trying to sell it Well, I was trying to sell it when the market was slow and I had a great real estate agent and he said, well, why don't you use it as an executive rental? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, oh my gosh, there's all this demand for, you know, pioneers and the principals of the world bring these executives in and their spouses are like, Des Moines, Iowa, maybe not. So a lot of them rent for a year to see if they want to stay. And he said, it's a huge market and we can't find enough houses like yours because they obviously want to live in a a nice neighborhood in a great school district in a great house. So that was the stupid way that I started my real estate company. But I was smart enough to go, I want to downsize to a townhouse. I had the resources because of business number one. Sure. In essence, to float owning that house and buying a townhouse. And I immediately got renters. I immediately figured out how to do that in terms of the tax strategies and all of that. I became a student of real estate. And then I was like, I could leverage this house. Hmm to buy other houses and properties. Yes. So now I own a bunch. So that was dumb luck. And, you know, Agency Management Institute, I was a customer of that organization for many years as an agency owner. The guy came to me and said, I want to retire. I think you're the guy. And long story short, first I was like, I don't want to be the guy. (laughs) And then I realized I kind of did want to be the guy. And we cut a deal. And all of a sudden now, what that business does for me is, you know, I'm on, as you guys know, I'm on 200 planes a year. Yeah, yeah, you are. So, and I'm staying in a hotel, as you can tell by the background, um, <laughs> a lot, right? 
because right. this is not what my house looks like. So what I what I realized from that is that one of the freedoms that is most important to me is to be able to travel with my daughter. So our goal is to visit every continent before she's done with school. She's uh, in nursing, the nursing program now. She got her undergrad and now she's in a nursing program. And, you know, we only have three or four, con- you know, I think three continents left. Wow. Um, so, but what I didn't really realize was Owning, flying on 200 planes means you have a lot of miles. Right? <laughs> a lot of perks. So, right. There are, there are a lot of perks around it. So the other thing that was a big goal for me is that I, I love Walt Disney World. I mean, I've, I've been on Disney property at least once a year since it opened in 1971. That's the depth of my love for Disney World. So I, w- I want to be there a lot. Well, you know what? One of my businesses teaches public workshops, and I can hold them anywhere I want to. So guess what? In January (laughs) of every year, I spend three weeks on Disney property at my company's expense and people actually pay me to be there because I'm teaching workshops there. How awesome is that? It's uncommon. It's uncommon. But but if you would have rolled back to 1995 and said, hey, Drew, you're starting this new agency, how is that going to help you live on Disney property at least a month a year, which we know would make you happy? I would have gone, I have no idea. Sure. But I was always open to the opportunities that were presented and I have exploited them to the nth degree to try and create this life that I want to have. Yeah, absolutely. That's really neat. So I want to kind of key in on that. You had McClellan Marketing Agency, uh, which is kind of a, you know, a marketing agency in the traditional sense uh, that yep. people might might interact with. And then you were presented uh, with an opportunity to purchase another business, which is a coaching program that teaches other marketing agency owners how to be um, the best they can be. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, I feel a little like that, you know, those hair club commercials where the guy goes, I'm not just the owner of the company, but I'm a, I'm a client too. (laughs) So I, 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 as an agency owner, was a part of this organization. Mm -hmm. And when the founder wanted to sell it, he offered it to me and I bought it. So all of a sudden the student became the teacher. And so now when I go out and I talk to other agency owners, what they love is the fact that I still also own an agency because I understand the pain that they go through every day because I'm doing it as well. But I also work with 250 agencies. So there are some best practices that I'm able to teach them and that I've employed in my own business that allow them to do their work better and smarter and make more money. So yeah, so I have those two businesses that I that sort of run concurrently and support each other. Yeah. And then I have the real estate thing on the side. Sure. Yeah. And and so when we talk to our clients about residual income, you know, business is obviously one of the most important that we feel. Right. So you've got that and now you've added the real estate portfolio um which is another key component. Uh I also share an affinity for Disney. And the first time I was there, I got to go, there's a little movie theater uh, mm-hmm. in the park in Florida and they have a little 10 minute video on Walt Disney. And they talk about yep. the genesis for the idea of the theme parks. He was taking his, his uh, daughters on daddy daughter dates and he couldn't find anything to do. He was bored. And that was actually how the theme park came about. And the banks, when he went to the banks to find it, they thought he was crazy. And uh, right. he ended up taking a loan from a life insurance policy uh, to start Disneyland in California. So I know you also um, share an affinity for life insurance. So could you talk about how you've integrated life insurance into your strategy? 
Yeah. So, you know, one of, one of the challenges of being an entrepreneur, obviously, and somebody who is leveraging every tax strategy that they can to minimize their, you know, their tax burden. So I'm all about paying my fair share of taxes, but I, I really abhor the idea of paying more than my fair share, which by the way, for many years early in my business, before I got smart about it, I think now about the checks that I wrote to the IRS and mm-hmm. it makes my eyes water a little bit, right? But anyway, so as I've gotten smarter about tax strategy, I'm less attractive to banks, right? So I own all these real estate companies or all these real estate properties. I own two, I'm self-employed twice. You know, a lot of banks are like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you want to buy a what? And then how much <laughs> is that, right? So I knew that I needed, um, I needed in essence to be my own bank. I needed to be able to have this pool of money that I could borrow and pay back and borrow and pay back along with, you know, obviously I have HELOCs on a lot of my properties and I'm leveraging Mm -hmm. the equity in those properties now because I've paid most of them off. Um, So now I'm leveraging the home equity of those to buy more properties, but I still needed a big pot of money that was bigger than what a HELOC might give me. And so, uh, and I know sooner or later banks are going to go, no, you cannot have yet another HELOC, right? (laughs) So I, I, you know, in full transparency, somebody was talking to me about you guys, mm. uh, a mutual friend of ours, and was telling me about this idea of um, overfunded whole life policies, cash value whole life policies. And I didn't know anything about it. So, you know, fortunately, I'm a pretty good student and a, and a great reader. I can read quickly. So I went out and got a bunch of books. I read about it. And then, then I reached out to you. And so now I've got two policies. I have one on myself and I have one on my daughter. And I use that as, I, I think of it as the McClellan private bank, right? So mm-hmm. when I need 50 or $100,000 and I need it in a hurry, I don't have to have a discussion with anybody. I just trigger the loan feature of those policies, borrow it, and then I can either pay it back in whole or I can pay back just the interest. You know, again, my daughter's 24. She's going to get plenty of money mm-hmm. when... I die. In fact, I don't like to go down the stairs in front of her because it's just not a smart move, right? But so even if I have, even if I am out a hundred thousand dollars on my, you know, three million dollars worth of life insurance, because of the the value of the life insurance keeps growing, right? Mm -hmm. So even if I'm out a hundred thousand dollars and I haven't paid that back, well, they just take that out before they give her the rest of her three million. She'll be fine, Mm -hmm. right? right? So for me, it's just another way to be ready to, again, keeping in mind that my entrepreneurial theme is dumb luck followed by being smart enough to recognize that good fortune is kicking me in the rear end. So I need to be ready because it's not always some well thought out five year in the making plan. It's just something presents itself that I want to take advantage of and I need the money this Mm. week or next week. Hmm. And you know, even if the bank was excited about lending me money, we know how they how the speed at which a bank moves, right? <laughs> yeah. So this way I can literally have $100,000 or whatever dollar amount I want in my checking account within a few days. And that flexibility and that freedom and not having to provide tax forms or, you know, my P&L year to date yeah. or any of that kind of stuff cuz guess what? I'm a very lenient banker to me, right? Yeah. So I don't ask for any forms. I just give me the money. <laughs> it's actually a very freeing feeling when you have that. And so it's, it's great to hear you talk about that, especially how you integrate it in your plan. 
So to, for me, the greatest, the greatest luxury of being where I'm at today. So again, remember, I've owned my own business for almost 25 years. So this didn't happen overnight. It was a bunch of small little steps. Sure. But I will tell you the freedom today of knowing that, you know, I, I spent the last five years being the caretaker for my mom. And she passed away about a year ago. And having the freedom to come and go and care for her, to have the money to do what I needed to do to make sure that she was well taken care of, that she lived in a facility, that um, she had her own room and she had private nursing and she had a level of care that was worthy of my mom. To have the freedom to do that, that's an incredible luxury. Mm -hmm. you know. And then, and then when my mom passed away, I wanted to commemorate her, to memorialize her in a way that would go on forever. And to be able to pick up the phone and call a university and say, hey, I want to start a, I want to start a scholarship in my mom's name and I want to fund it in a way that forever and ever people will know who my mom is and what she was about. And to have the money to do that, that's an incredible blessing. And that's every day I am aware of how fortunate I am that I'm in this position and I'm not a bazillionaire. Like, you know, I drive a Jeep, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about, and I live in a, you know, three bedroom townhouse in Des Moines, Iowa, Yeah. but I'm planning a trip to Australia with my daughter and we're not going to stay in crappy hotels and we're not flying coach. Right. So where I want to spend money, I have the money to spend. Sure. That's, that's an incredible luxury and blessing that I would have never, ever had as somebody else's employee. Mm, so good. Uh, so you talked about your mother and I know how special she was to you. Tell us about the other, maybe she is your kind of mentor in your career and in your life. Tell us other mentors in your life and talk about those or who are you surrounding yourself with to help you live this uncommon life? So I, th I think, I think you have mentors at all kinds of levels. So without a doubt, my parents have sort of taught me about what matters and family and honor and commitment to the people that are in your life. I mean, my parents were great role models around that. And, you know, and my dad is still alive and still continues. You know, I talk to him almost every day and we talk about everything from business to what's going on with my daughter to his world. And, and so he, he helps keep me grounded. And my mom was that for me as well. But in terms of mentors, so I have people in my professional life that keep teaching me how to do my own business better. Sort of how do, how do I, in a lot of ways, my clients, my customers are great mentors because I learn by teaching them, I learn a lot from them. But then I've also realized that I need a pool of people around me. So literally I have a list of advisors and this sounds morbid and I don't mean to, but I have a list of people who, if something happens to me, my daughter needs to call right away. They're the people who have helped me put together this life. So they're people like you guys and, you know, the financial planner who I started with a long time ago that I still have a little bit of stuff with, uh, my tax guy, my attorney. So I've surrounded myself with professionals who help me explore what's possible and help me make it happen. And so, you know, one of the things that I love about those people. So, you know, when I call you guys and I go, Hey, I have a crazy idea. <laughs> you never, you never go, that's no, you can't do that. You step in and go, how can we help you make, let's figure out a way to make that work. Uh -huh. How do we, how do we do that? And as, as you know, one of the things I've done is I've, I've 
started to marry those advisors and those mentors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you guys talk to my tax guy all the time, right? Because I need somebody to help me sort of look at the big picture and sort of sort all this out because, you know, finance and investment and taxes, all of that money and math stuff, that's not my background. So I need to have people around me who can explain it to me in little words very slowly so I can track with it and figure out how it fits into the grand scheme of this life that I'm building. Yeah. And I would say too, just for Eric's, uh, just working with your tax guy, he, he, he educates and that's the way we feel like we do, right? You come up yeah, with an right? idea, we educate, you tell us where you want to go. Instead of you come to us, we sell you something, we close you, and then you feel sleazy on the way out, right? It's, there's, there's definitely this common respect between the people that we work with for our clients and we never sell. We always educate. And that's something that really resonates with you and many of our clients. And so I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I think you're, I want to go back to one thing. You're in a unique position with all these business owners that you meet and get to spend right. time with year in, year out. Looking at the transformation that you even said, it's taken you decades to, to get to this spot, right? What's right. like the one or two things that, as you see with all the business owners you're working with that are preventing them from kind of giving themselves permission to go to this next level or this, this life they want to design? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think in a lot of cases, um, I think people who own businesses, especially if they have employees, make a couple mistakes. Number one, they don't really often understand. And one of the roles that I play with our clients is they don't really understand sort of the metrics that they should use to run their business. So how much money should I make from a client? What is an acceptable you know, rate of return on that client. And then when I get the pot of money, how do I divvy that pot of money up appropriately so there's money left at the bottom line for me? Because what a lot of business owners do is they spend all of their money on their people and overhead and there's nothing left for them. And, you know, I was guilty of that in the beginning of owning the business until I really started to learn how to make sure that there was a net profit at the end and what to do with that in a way that it didn't just all go to Uncle Sam. Because if that's going to be the case, I might as well just give it to my people. I'd rather have them have it, right? So I, number one, it's about understanding how to run their business in a way that is profitable for them. Number two, it's how to get the money out of the business. That's the other mistake they make. They leave it inside the business. So most of them are S-Corps and or LLCs. They, they pay tax on that money because it's passed through. And then, but they don't get it out. And then they end up petering it away on bad business decisions as opposed to building their wealth outside of their business while they own their business. That's the biggest mistake I see business owners make is that we have this unique opportunity to build wealth. And again, it could be, you could own real estate like I do. You could own, you know, racehorses. You could own fine art that you know is going to appreciate over time. I don't care. You could invest in the market. I don't really care what you do. But get it out of your business and put it someplace else, diversify your opportunities and create that passive income outside of the business so that you're creating an asset. So if at the end of the day, I don't sell any of my businesses, it doesn't matter. Will I sell at least one of them, if not more of them? Of course I will. And will I eventually either liquidate the real estate or will it to my daughter? Absolutely. But I've built up enough other opportunities outside of, say, my agency, which was my original business, that if I end up just locking the door someday when I'm 82 and don't want to do it anymore, 
okay, that's fine. But most business owners don't put themselves in that position. So I think the biggest mistake they make is they, they think that there's some big payout down the road as opposed to realizing that they have to create their own payout and they need to start today. And even if it's a buck today and two bucks tomorrow and five bucks in a month and $10 by the end of the year, you start where you start. I mean, you know, again, all I, my start was just keeping a house I had already bought. I mean, that was my start of sort of diversifying my own portfolio. And, you know, and I, I have the 401k and I have some investments. I'm not saying I didn't do that. But in terms of really controlling my wealth and, and wealth being, a, you know, a relative term, but controlling my nest egg, whatever that is, in a business or businesses where I can sort of amplify my opportunities that took me a while to figure out. And I, I think sometimes I wonder where would I be if I had done it when I was 30 sure. rather than, you know, 45. Yeah. We talk about residual income a lot with our clients and that's exactly what we say is, yeah, that business is one form of residual income, but right. what are we going to do about the other six? You know, let's start pulling out that, pulling out that money and start right. creating this other passive income outside of that. And so it ends up insulating or insuring or, or, or limiting your risk way quicker if you do that instead of keep it right. all in your business. So right. kudos to you. Drew, you've got a lot going on. What are you most excited about looking forward? In some ways, and this sounds odd given that I've owned you know, these businesses for many years, but we've just scratched the surface on what's possible to do. The, the, there's always new ways to serve our clients and help them be better and get to their goals faster. So for me, you know, even though I didn't know it at the time, I clearly have this entrepreneurial bent where it's like, why would I leave my company the same as it was a year ago when I could make it better, right? And what I love about that is when I make it better for my clients, they make it better for me, right? So if I do what's right for them and I build out products and services that genuinely help them grow their business, whether it's on the agency side or the AMI side. That's a beautiful thing for me too, right? Because yeah. they keep buying this stuff and they keep um, you know, telling their friends about it and driving more traffic to us. And it all comes from simply wanting to keep getting better on their behalf. So what I'm most excited about is, you know, we have some really big new projects um, queued up for 2018 that um, I think are really going to help people in a way that we have not been able to help them up to this point. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and I'm excited about the fact that it's going to drive more revenue into the businesses, which allows me to buy more houses and go to more continents and yeah. spend more time at Disney World. Sure so it's all good. you know. And again, it allows me to put more money into my mom's scholarship fund and all of the things that matter to me, I, for the most part, I get to do. It's amazing. Okay. so. You talked a little bit about, you know, what's next. What would you say would be some advice that you would have to our listeners today? I think my advice would be, um, you know, you get, you get one shot at this and every day you wait and waste means less opportunity. And so you don't have to be speculative. You don't have to be crazy. You don't have to do things that have a lot of risk, but you do have to make choices and sacrifices. So Again, if I 
had kept that super big house and not rented it out, if I was driving a Jag, okay, then I'm probably not going to Australia Mm. this year. So for me, it's about choices and consequences. And the quicker you begin to realize, honestly, and I I don't say this to be self-deprecating, but honest to God, if Drew McClellan can figure this out, so can you. Mm. So start small, surround yourself. Maybe this is my biggest piece of advice. Understand that the possibilities are endless, but you need the right people around you to take advantage of those opportunities. So I've been really fortunate that I have surrounded myself with people, people like you guys, people like my attorney, people like Eric, my tax guy, who genuinely have my best interest at heart, who genuinely are good human beings that I trust. I would, I would leave my daughter with them you know, for an afternoon if she was little. These are people that I, I, I know believe in what I believe in in terms of ethics and honesty. And they're also willing to explore with me, that to, for me to go, what would happen if I did this? And it may not result in a sale for them or more money for them, but they too understand that by serving me well, I'm going to keep giving them more money and I'm going to keep turning to them for their advice and counsel. So it, it's in their best interest to be concerned about my best interest. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's the theme is that if you're not concerned about your own best interest and you don't know the kind of life that you could have for yourself and your family, no one's going to hand that to you. And so even if you start super small, surround yourself with smart, ethical, good people and begin to explore what's possible and what you want out of your life, figure out where you want to be in 10 years and then baby step it back. And figure out, okay, maybe that means I'm going to up the ante in my 401k. Maybe that means I'm going to invest in something outside of my 401k. Maybe that means I am going to buy a racehorse. Whatever your thing is, right? Whatever, whatever your flavor and your, and your appetite will let you get into, there's nothing wrong with asking questions and exploring it. It doesn't mean you have to do it. But today's the day to start. That's my advice. Today is the day. I totally agree. You know, it's it's great to be able to just sit here and, and ask you these questions. Just on a personal testimony for Brian and I, we also use you as uh, in your McClellan marketing. And we interviewed about what last year we were yeah. thinking about maybe we need to take the next step in marketing. We need to get our story out to more people because we want to help more people, right? And so we started interviewing uh, three other companies. And then we had you come in and I remember it like it was yesterday when you were talking because you're a client, right? You know, you understand us, you, you, you know what makes us tick and gets us going. And, and so you talked about that. And I remember Brian and I looking at each other like, can we just bottle what you just set up and, and send it out? <laughs> I think that would be the perfect commercial. And so I called all the other companies that we were interviewing with. And I'm not sure if I haven't told you this, Drew, but I remember calling each and every one of them and, and they all asked that question, right? That old salesman question, like, do you mind if I ask you where you're, who you're going to use, right? And I said, Drew McClellan. And they all had the same response. And I didn't really even, it didn't register until the second time. But the first guy said, huh, really? I'm like, yeah, that's where we're going. The second person had that same response. And by the third time, I was like, okay, what's going on? And then that's when I found out that you're one of the top bloggists that help marketers get people to where they want to go and get and coach them. And so I want to just personally thank you for the way that you've helped 
Brian and I and the Uncommon Wealth Partners get to where it's at. And like you, we surround ourselves with, with people that we can trust, honest and integrity that care about us and help us where we're going. And that's definitely been you and your, your company. And so we hope that this interview was uh, one that was kind of fun for you to give. We hope that it gave your listeners of your own podcast something a little bit different angle into your personal, uh, the way that you've set up your business. Um, what else would you say? Yeah, I just uh, totally humbled. Uh, Drew actually named our company and we were, I would say, at a point of really the fork in the road and needed help telling our story and, and branding or bottling, I guess, what we've been doing for five years. So just a huge thank you for all that you do for us and all that you do for so many. And you are definitely a role model for Philip and I, and I can't wait to see uh, what's in store for you in the future. Well, we just have, we've just begun on you guys. So I'm excited for 2018 to see what, what we can shake loose for you too. And that's, to me, that's part of the fun of the work that we do. So when I started the agency, one of my first rules was we're never going to work for somebody that we don't. Mm -hmm. And if we can't get excited about what they do and who they are as human beings, I don't want them as a client. And so that makes work pretty fun. When you're, when you're helping people that you like, that you genuinely want the world to know more about because they do something special, that's rewarding work in and of itself. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that, that you invited us to be a part of your story and help other people learn more about you. And, and, you know, I, I think we have some pretty cool stuff planned for 2018. So your audience is going to get to know you and get to value who you guys are in a much bigger, better way as we, as we march this out. So it's going to be fun. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Drew. And again, if you like this podcast, definitely subscribe, uh, keep listening to the content that we have. We have a lot more for you guys and we've only, like Drew said, scratched the surface. So we hope this, you know, is exciting for you guys as we take this journey down, helping people understand residual income and yeah. Yeah, Drew, you have a lot of different uh, ways people can find you. What's the best way if people want to know more about you or where can they find you? So the, probably the easiest way is just to go to McClellan Marketing and McClellan is spelled M-C-L-E-L-L-A-N, uh, McClellanMarketing.com and you can, you can get a hold of me there. I'm also pretty much Drew McClellan everywhere, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of those places. That's my handle because I'm old and I've been doing it for a long time. So I was able to grab my name before someone else did. So um, ha happy to answer questions, happy to um, have listeners reach out. Um, if you have questions about anything that we talked about today, um, more than happy to be a resource if I can. Be. So appreciate that. Thanks for your time today, Drew. And again, just wish you the best and uh, enjoy Disney in January. <laughs> I'm going to because it's going to be cold in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Drew. You bet. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project, brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.